This is the big question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode, we have questions from Sam, Noah, Emerson, Lydia, Sam, and Susanna. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions. Then, we'll look at this episode's big question. And as always, we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with a couple of serious questions. Today, we have questions from Sam and from Noah. Here's Sam's question. Are you a priest? Well, Sam, the answer to that question is yes and no. In the Presbyterian Church in America, our denomination, we don't refer to our ministers or pastors using the word priest. And part of the reason for that is when you hear the word priest, what do you think of? I think of the priests of the Old Testament, the Levitical priests who served in the temple. And when you think about what it was that those priests did, They performed sacrifices over and over again to make an atonement for sin. Now, from a New Testament perspective, all of those sacrifices pointed forward to the sacrifice that Jesus made. And Jesus is our ultimate priest, our great high priest, according to the book of Hebrews. So we want to make it really clear in the terminology that we use that it is the work of Jesus and Jesus alone, not the work of the pastor that saves. And so for that reason, we tend not to use a word like priest. Now, here's why that's important. For a long time in church history, people were taught that they couldn't go directly to God, that they needed a human priest to act as their go-between. And Whatever the priest told them, that's what they had to do. But the fact is, we can go directly to God. We do it by going through Jesus Christ, who, as I said, is our high priest, without any other human go-between. What really matters isn't what I say as a pastor. It's what Jesus says, what the Bible says. And we want to keep that very clear. On the other hand, though, The Apostle Peter talks about all believers as a royal priesthood. He says that God is making all of us into his priests. So yes, Jesus is our great high priest, but all of us who are in union with him, who have faith in him, are made into a royal priesthood. Martin Luther talked about this using the term the priesthood, of the believer, so that we don't need other human mediators or go-betweens, but we, as priests made by God, can go directly to him through Jesus Christ. So if you think about it that way, then I am a priest, and so are you. This means that all of us, regardless of what our job description is, are called to serve him, not just pastors, but everyone who believes in Jesus is called to serve him as a priest. Now Noah asks, how many different colors are there that you use year-round for the communion table? 
When you go into the sanctuary at Grace, you'll notice on the communion table that there are different colors that are displayed there, and the colors are tied to the seasons of the church calendar. So Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, so on, those special events on the church calendar will often be marked by a different color. So the question is, how many colors are there in total, and what's the color thing all about? The color thing is all about reminding us where we are in the year. The reason why the colors change is simply to remind you that, oh yeah, right, here's where we are in the calendar. Here's what's happening in the story of redemption that we retell every year. Now, there are five colors that we will change between. There's purple, there's white, there's red, there's black, and there's green. And the interesting thing about the colors is that they don't stand for just one thing. So it's not like, well, this season is this color, that season is that color. Some colors will come back at different dates during the season. There are a few things, though, that you can usually count on. Uh, green, for example, is the color of what's called ordinary time. So between uh, Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, which will be at the end of May, like all the way from there to Advent, we have this long period of ordinary time, and that will be green for week after week after week. But then whenever we get into the drama of Scripture picking up with Advent, you'll see those colors changing more frequently. Now, here's a little secret. Every week, Grace sends out an email to everyone who's subscribed to our mailing list. And in the header of that email, you'll always see the date of the upcoming Sunday and a little square that's the same color as the color in the sanctuary for that day. So here's something you could do. You could ask your parents when they get that email what color the square is in the header. And they could tell you, and then you could wear something that color to church that Sunday. That would be fun because then we could test whether anybody notices that you are coordinating what you're wearing to the church calendar. I can tell you that occasionally I have accidentally matched what I'm wearing to the, the colors on the table. And people have thought that it was intentional, but uh, a lot of things I do are, are not intentional. Now it's time for the big question. This week's big question comes from Emerson. Emerson asks, if Jesus died and took away our sins, why do we still sin? Now, I really like questions like this. There are a lot of phrases that we use without really thinking, but when you do stop and think about what we're saying, they can be really confusing. Now, I hear this all the time. People say, Jesus died to take away your sins. And I'm sure Emerson heard someone say this. <laughs> Maybe it was me. And she wondered, how can that be? Because if you still sin, how can Jesus have already taken away your sins? It really seems like it has to be one or the other, right? If Jesus takes away my sin, then I shouldn't sin anymore, right? And if I do sin, then Jesus hasn't taken away my sin, at least not yet. So 
What does it mean when people say Jesus took away our sins? Well, to understand the meaning, we have to separate two different parts of a sin. The first part is what we'll call the sinful action, and the second part is what we'll call the punishment. So remember, a sin is anything that you think or do that falls short of God's standard, which is perfection. Sometimes we sin by doing something wrong. Sometimes we sin by not doing something that's right. But there's more to each sin than just the action. There's also the punishment. So think of it like this. Every sin is made up of what you do and what happens to you because of what you do. Now, the Bible says that the ultimate penalty of sin is death. But there's a lot more to the punishment for sin than just death. There's also separation from God. There's pain. There's suffering and a lot of other bad things that happen in the world as a result of sin. Now, when we think about sin, we like to focus on the sinful act and not look at the punishment because the punishment is so terrible, we'd rather just not think about it. But the punishment goes hand in hand with the action. And if you remember this, then you'll understand how Jesus can take away your sin even though you continue to sin. Jesus doesn't take away the action. He takes away the punishment. In other words, Jesus takes the punishment for the sin that you do so that you don't have to bear that punishment. That's why he suffered on the cross. But of course, in life, you still commit sin. You still struggle with sin, but that's why Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps us follow Jesus more and more, and part of that is dying to sin, is fighting against our desire to sin. Now, not only will we continue to sin in this life, but in this life we will also die. But the good news is that if our faith is in Jesus, then Jesus will raise us up from the dead when he returns. And that's what we're talking about when we say that Jesus takes away our sin. It's not that he removes the action of sin so that we can sin no longer, but rather he takes away the punishment, the consequences of those sinful actions, and he endures the punishment on our behalf. So, the next time you hear someone say, Jesus took away your sins, you can answer, that's right. He took away the punishment for my sin. And that is good news. Thanks, Emerson, for asking such a good question. For our closing segment, let's take on some fun questions from Lydia, Sam, and Susanna. Lydia wants to know about my favorite things, literally. She asks, what is your favorite thing to do? That's a great question, Lydia, but there's one problem, which is that I don't know yet. I'm always discovering new things, and it makes me think, what if my favorite thing turns out to be something that I haven't even tried yet? So I'm not sure what my favorite thing is, but I have a few things that are definitely 
in the running. So as I think about what my top things are, what are the things competing to be my favorite thing? I'll just list a few. So, so there's reading, definitely. I love reading. There's also sword fighting and answering questions because I really like answering questions. In fact, I like answering questions so much that even when I don't know the answer, I still like to make up an answer so that I can have the joy of answering the question, even when I'm actually very ignorant. But I also really like sleeping too and want to do more of it in the future. So that's in the running as well. You'll have to keep checking in with me to see how this goes, but, but hopefully, ultimately, I'll be able to figure out what my favorite thing is. But there's still a few things I need to try. Sam and Susanna have related questions, sort of. So here's Sam's question. He says, can you wish me and my cats, Poppy and Penny, a happy birthday? And then Susanna asks, will you please wish my cat Penny a happy first birthday and do it to Poppy in 11 days? So Sam's birthday was actually on Friday. So we're a couple of days late as you listen to this. Sam turned 11. So the next time you see him, be sure to check and see if he looks a little bit older. The funny thing is, though, did you notice Susanna didn't even mention Sam's birthday? She went straight to Penny and Poppy. Huh. Either Susanna forgot about Sam's birthday, or she just likes cats better than she likes people. Either way, I'm happy to oblige you both. So Sam, I hope that you had a happy, happy birthday celebration. Keep asking such good questions. You are wise beyond your years, so keep growing and keep asking great questions. And Penny, I want to thank you for listening as well and wish you a happy first birthday. Not many cats can follow along with a podcast like this, especially if they're only one year old. And Polly, I wish you a happy birthday too. Keep being cute and cuddly. And if you have any questions, I'll do my best to answer them. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Until next time, remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will always stand up to scrutiny. So until next time, keep asking the big questions.